Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper, and I have with me here Justin Brewer from Illinois. Justin's a land agent or land specialist with Living the Dream Outdoors, and uh, we're down in Nashville at the Safari Club International Convention. Boy, Justin, it's been quite a show. It has. This is the first time I've been to this show. It's uh, it's awesome. I've never seen... There's a little different clientele than the show that I'm used to going to. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've always gone, you know, to, hey, the deer hunting shows, the turkey hunting shows, some of the fishing shows, but man, there's people here and outfitters from all over the world. Yes, sir. There are a lot of different accents. Absolutely. A lot of different dress styles, too. There is. That's true. Hey, the guys in the kilts while ago kind of kind of got me a little bit. You know, I just wasn't expecting that. Come around the corner, a bunch of guys standing there in skirts. <laughs> Not at a hunting show. <laughs> but what fun. But, Justin, you're quite a deer hunter and i guess you had one of the grandest deer hunts of your life this last fall it was it's the best one that i've ever been on yes it's uh we were finally able to i shouldn't say finally we haven't been going that long but my son uh jace who was 11 years old he uh finally decided it was time and he was ready to go out and start hunting and uh he first year he went with the gun in his hand wow it hey Excellent point you made. He was ready. Yeah. Uh, so often I've seen, you know, these exuberant dads who, oh, they're just eat up with hunting, you know, deer and turkey hunting, whatever. And, hey, they have a son. And, man, they want to get him started right out of the stroller, you know. Yeah. And sometimes uh, kids are just not developmentally ready for that kind of action. And I've seen little bitty guys, uh, you know, shoot uh, shotguns or rifles, either one at five or six years old, and it's just too much for them. And it spooks them away from the sport for a while. It does. It does. And it's, uh, we did a little warm, you know, uh, I've taken him squirrel hunting and had a little 410 that he would shoot. And we, you know, shot a few squirrels and did stuff like that. But he, uh, you know, it is, it's a big thing to take to take an animal, and especially for a young child, uh, you know, to try, there's, it's a lot to process. It, it and, really is because they they realize they know what's going on. Yeah. You're taking an animal's life, and to them, you know, if it's that squirrel or that rabbit and it's first one, it's like when they yeah. kill that first animal, it's an emotional thing. They think that's a, that's the only one of those animals on face of the earth, and it, I just killed it. It is, it, and we had a lot of. I mean. He's been around it his entire life. I mean, he's seen me bringing things home and uh, skinning things. And, you know, he's still, when he, I got to gut things and stuff like that. But, he, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been around it and he knows how the process works and he knows where his food comes from. But it is it is different when you're the one on the trigger. It, it really is because that feeling of responsibility really lands squarely on your shoulders. It does. It, it does. And it's a very emotional thing for a, a little guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jace, 11 years old mm-hmm. and uh, got into it in a big way he did he did we uh it, illinois youth season is the 
second weekend in October. It's it's actually always falls on Columbus Day, and they do that so uh, the kids can get three days to hunt. That hey, somebody's thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, it happens every once in a while. Um, so yeah, we had a three day season. We did it up. Uh, the place that we hunt is about an hour from my house. So instead of you know going back and forth and burning up two hours every day driving and tired and having to do all that stuff, we camped at an area close to where oh. we hunt and. You'd appreciate it. We grilled burgers and oh uh, brats and had the, uh, you know, beans and stuff like that. And he loved it. He thought we would have thought we were in the Rocky Mountains. Oh, my gosh. I love to hear those stories. You need to invite me next year. I don't have to hunt. I'll just stay in camp and cook and eat. That's fine. That's fine. Because <laughs> I like to eat. So. Oh, I, I do, too. And hey, the older I get, the more I like it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, hey, I've <laughs> been lots of places and hunted lots of things, had lots of kills in my lifetime. And I guess I'm getting into that final stage. You know, as a hunter, we progress from the very beginning to like your son's starting, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we get up where, man. We get out, we just want to shoot that gun, and then we just want to kill something. Then we want to kill a limit. We get up into our 40s, 30s, and 40s. We're really thinking about methods then. Yep. Hey, you know, we can archery hunt, we muzzleload hunt, we can use that rifle. You can even use an azalette if you want to. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that good at that. <laughs> Me either, but then there's the stages where you, you really begin to get a little more philosophical and you begin to think about things more in depth. And uh, I think that's where I'm at right now. I really appreciate all that I've been able to do in my lifetime. But one of the grandest things I love to hear is just like the story you just told about your son. Now, get into the hunt itself and tell me how this transpired. Well, it was uh, so it's early October, which is traditionally not my favorite time of year to deer hunt. I, I, I like everybody else. I like that rut. Uh, you know, late October, early November, but we did get a good cold snap come in. So there were, they were active, they were feeding and we saw, we drove around the night before season started and scouted and saw quite a few deer. So expectations were high. Um, now we had some challenges because my son, he was shooting a muzzleloader because in Illinois, we can shoot straight wall cartridges now, but I like the idea of the muzzleloader because he wasn't shooting that far anyway. I was only going to let him shoot 50 yards. And I can Good control. Plan. I can control the load that he would shoot. So if it was, uh, you know, 50 grains of powder or you know something, because it's going to be basically a bow shot anyway. Exactly. Uh, well, you be. Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. You be sure and tell Jace that you know a 75-year-old man that's back to his stage. I'm kind of limiting myself to about 50, 75 yards anymore. Yeah, it's, well, you know what? High percentage shots mean a lot. Um, but they we certainly have, do. But what, We got him set up. We couldn't get him in a tree stand uh, because he shoots off of a, a tripod, and he needs that for the kick because he's a, he's a little bit of a smaller get, kid. But uh, so we had to basically set up on the ground and I'm not one to sit in a ground blind. So uh, we would just kind of belly up in whatever brush we could find or a ditch or whatever. And, uh, it, you know, the typical thing that you always hear last night of the season, last hour. And um, it, I, it's kind of I, I think every good hunting story starts with. Well, so I was looking at my phone and <laughs> and that's what he was doing. He was sitting there playing on his phone, and I, I looked over at it. I could hear something walking around. I said, Jace, you got to put your phone down, buddy. It's time to get ready. And uh, I said, last hour of the day, you know, we can make it an hour without looking at our phones. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he did that, and I could hear something walking around, and he got all set up on got on his gun. And I said, you ready? He's like, yeah. I'm, I'm now, now i got to interrupt here and ask you now at this point. Yeah. Who's getting more nervous, Dad or Jay's? We haven't seen the deer yet. Oh, you haven't seen him? No, yet. Okay. I, could, I could hear something walking around, but I hadn't laid eyes on it. So I told him, I said, 
I go, you're, you're, you're good to go if one walks out? Yeah, I'm good to go. And I, with that, I look over, and there's um, the buck that he winds up shooting standing there at 12 yards. Oh, 12 yards? 12 yards while we're on the ground just laying in the weeds. Oh, oh my goodness, 12 yards. Yeah. You'd think that buck could hear your heartbeat. I know he heard mine because uh, <laughs> and the kid, Jace was cool as a cucumber, and I was about turned inside out. Thank you. Yeah, well, that sounds like an exciting hunt. Yeah, and uh, so at twelve yards. So how'd it go from there? Well, twelve yards, and then it's he was directly to our left, and my son was on a chair with a tripod, so he can't exactly spin to get over towards the deer. So he, uh, the deer came walking out. I was just praying that he'd walk away, and that would give give him a good quartering away shot. And he didn't. He walked right to us. Oh, my. and we're laying on the ground, and he got to about five yards and started. He he never smelt us, but he started doing that head bob and was. Oh looking yeah, and something, something suspicious. Something, I'm, and I'm going, don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move. <laughs> and he, uh, deer wound up running out. He, he but he didn't like spook spook. He just kind of trotted away, and he got on the edge of the field, getting ready to go in the timber. And its mistake was he gave one last little look back. And uh, I told my son, I said, if you're on him, you can take a shot. And boom, he shoots. And, you know, the smoke goes and he's flopping around. And, uh, I mean, he stayed on his chair and stuff. But, and you know, it's in the moment and you're excited. And, you know, the deer just lunged in the woods. So you, I thought I saw a spot open up on him. and uh, But I wasn't 100% sure. So, but uh, he, uh, yeah, so we, I gave him a minute. And I go, buddy, how'd you feel on the shot? Dad, I felt pretty good, and I, said, I felt pretty. Good. I said, "Okay, okay." So we gave a little time and went over there and started looking for, uh, you know, where he was at there. And I'm little backstory for everybody. I'm colorblind, so uh, blood trailing is. I'm the last. I'm the last blood guy. I stand there and say, "Last blood." Yeah, we're right here, and I keep a straight line. So, but my son's not colorblind, so I thought we'd be okay, and it'd be. I thought it'd be neat for him to trail his first deer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we started walking around, and we're looking there where we shot, and there wasn't any blood or hair or nothing. But that doesn't really surprise me. And then we took about two steps into the woods, and we started looking. And my son, he he never recovered a deer before, and he looks at me and he goes, "Dad, where's the deer at?" <laughs> I said. I don't know. It's, I, like we're gonna have to. We gotta go find him, bud. I go. He's probably at the bottom of this hill. I'm not too worried. Oh, yeah, that's always the case. Oh man, and that's when the nerves got him. <laughs> he started flip. He started flipping out, and he's going, Dad, you're colorblind, and I don't know what I'm doing. We gotta get somebody out here to help us. <laughs> so we did. We did. I have a good neighbor uh, that uh, comes over, and he'll give me a hand whenever I got a tough time finding one. And uh, he came out, and we looked for two hours in the dark that night and didn't find anything. Oh, my. But uh, my son was adamant. I, and I, I brought up a picture of a deer target on my phone, and it had a little green dot right in the center of its shoulder. And I said, Jace, where did you hit that deer? And he said... He looked at that target and he goes, I hit that green dot. I said, well, if you hit that green dot, that deer's dead. There's Absolutely. no, there's no question. <laughs> so we went, we left that night and I'm, I, I couldn't sleep that night. He, well, I, I bet he didn't either. I, I don't know. I, he, he seemed like he was doing, honestly, I don't think, I think he was fine because he was so confident that he killed it. There you go. And, um, we had shot a lot, uh, not so much with the muzzle. I mean, we shot with the muzzle or two, but we shot a lot of 22 rifle over the summer i went through a lot more than i'd like to admit that i spent on 22s in a year yeah but that sure develops the confidence it does it does and uh we went back the next day and we took my dad with me or with us and uh i put them they were looking for blood and i just started grid searching uh just up and down covering as much area as i could and 
because I I can cover a little bit more ground better <laughs> than a seventy year old man and a eleven uh, year old. Plus, I, like I said, I can't see blood anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So uh, we looked around for a little bit. I looked for two hours and we couldn't find anything. And they never found a drop of blood oh or my. any hair. And now I'm now I'm preparing to how to tell my son like, listen, buddy, at least you clean mist. And I, oh. I went. I called a good friend of mine uh, who's been on a lot of muzzleloader kills, and I explained the whole situation to him. And he said, "Well, it's one of two things: that deer's either stump dead within 150 yards of where you're at, or that deer's eating acorns." Because, <laughs> because it, he said, uh, and it makes sense. Uh, the muzzleloader bullets typically don't open up, especially with him shooting at a lower speed. Right. Uh, so we uh, we wound up having to call the neighbor. My son was adamant. Dad, he's on the neighbors. He's in the neighbor's cornfield. And I said, and we still had standing corn at that time. And I said, no, buddy. I said, I, that doesn't make sense. It, you know, typically they run downhill and they run to water. Right. Well, that he was. Eh, we called the neighbor. He came over and started looking. I said, I'm just going to walk the edge of your cornfield. And I started walking the edge, and sure enough, about 125 yards from where he shot, that buck was laying stump dead, and. He hit exactly where that awesome. he, he put his finger and he said, I told you. I told you I, so, yeah. I said, you're yeah. right, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, he did really, it's, it was a, definitely a proud father moment. And, uh, you know, I've heard people say for years, like, oh, you know, as long as the kid just gets one or that's all I'm really worried about. And I thought, I'll BS. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. still got that in you where you want to get. And after that, I was, my deer season in my eyes was done by October. Oh, absolutely. But what an absolute treasure of an experience. And I'm sure Jace, hey, he, he'll tell his grandkids about that. I hey, hope so. You tell all these little buddies at school? Oh, well, <laughs> so that was the other thing. That's when we went back the next day, so they had school. Oh. And uh, my wife is a teacher, so I thought that was going to be a tough sell uh-huh. to get him to go with me. And I got home, and he, uh, she could tell how upset I was. And I, I mean, just like nervous yeah about this concerned thing. concerned and she goes uh you got to take him with you and i said awesome. i go I'm, I'm, I'm sorry what <laughs> she goes you got to take him with you she goes if you don't my, my son's very persistent uh-huh. and he said uh or she said if you don't take him and you don't find it he will question you Ex- until oh, he, exactly. goes, he will drive you bananas to make sure you uncovered every stone and she goes, and if you find it without him, he's going to be upset, and you're going to be upset, too. So. Absolutely. But, boy, what a grand, grand story. And, Jace, congratulations, buddy. I'm just a little bit jealous. I didn't kill a deer this last year. Well, Justin, you are a land agent with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. If people want to talk to you about properties in Illinois or wherever, how would they get a hold of you? Oh, they can go through our website, um, livingthedreamoutdoorproperties.com. They can get a hold of me on my email, justinb at livingthedreamland.com. And they can also get a hold of me. My phone number is 618-410-9496. Justin, thanks for being on the program, man. And folks, Justin Brule, myself, Bill Cooper, we're living our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to get outdoors and live your outdoor dreams as well. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz with Drury Outdoors, and you're listening to Living the Dream Outdoors Podcast with Phil Cooper and Hunter Heineman. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating 
and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on the beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But Who's All Valley, there's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz with Woodhaven Custom Calls, Mossino Camouflage, and Jury Outdoors. And here's my turkey tip for the week this week. Incorporate more realism in your turkey calling. Whether you're calling with a friction call, a mouth call, tube call, doesn't make any box call, slate call, doesn't make any difference. Proper turkey rhythm is what does make the difference. Let me give you an example. If you have a box call and you're running a box call and you run it with this type of rhythm, that's not proper turkey rhythm. Slow the call down. Listen to live turkeys. There's all kinds of information on digital media internet, on Jury Outdoors gear cast. There's all kinds of information you can find real live turkeys calling. And for that matter, professional turkeys, turkey callers actually running calls. Slow that call down to a proper turkey rhythm like this. This is the same call I just ran. Turkeys have the same rhythm no matter what call you use. Now I'm going to do that same thing with a mouth call. Proper turkey rhythm is the key. doesn't make any difference if you're raspy, sweet, somewhere in between. Run good, proper turkey rhythm. And here's with a mouth call and just yelping with proper turkey rhythm. Add more realism into the calling, and you'll increase your success in the field. What I mean by realism, instead of just yelping, add some plucks, some little cuts, and add more excitement to the calling, like this. Right there, I just added more excitement more realism, and you'll get better results when you add realism in the turkeys. Again, go back and listen to, to the digital media that's available out there to, to get those live turkey sounds and add that realism to your calling. I'm Steve Stoltz, and that's your turkey tip for the week. <laughs> Hi folks, it's Aaron Jeffries with the Missouri Department of Conservation with a little habitat hint here. 
no surprise. Uh, we are in the middle of a pretty severe drought across most of mid-Missouri. Uh, would encourage folks to take a look at diversifying their grazing systems. Uh, right now, the department, NRCS, and other partners do have cost share available for the establishment of native form season grasses for grazing and hay purposes. What a great program. What a wonderful way of diversifying your grazing system and actually having a drought-tolerant, productive grass in the months of June, July, and August. If you're looking for more information, would encourage you to go to, go to the Missouri Department of Conservation's website at mdc.mo.gov. And in the upper right-hand corner is contacts. Go to your county and find your private land conservationist for your county uh, to set up a meeting to look at ways that you can improve your property, not only for wildlife, but also forage production for your cattle. Hey, everybody, this is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. Check out my buddy's podcast show, Living the Dream Outdoors with Bill Cooper and Hunter Hindman. You're really going to enjoy this week's show. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor podcast. I'm Bill Cooper. And I'm your co-host, Hunter Hindman. And he's got a guest today. Yeah, we have Caleb Howard here. Caleb, uh, what part of Oregon are you from again? I'm from Northeast Oregon, uh, Enterprise Joseph area. And uh, he's also another agent um, that works for Land and Wildlife uh, up in Oregon, and he's in a couple states. And, and what are the states again that you work I, in? I hold a license in Oregon, Idaho, and Washington. Wow. That's, now, what's country out like, uh, like out there? I've never been to Oregon. All I've seen is great photos of the coast, you know, just gorgeous, gorgeous country. Rainforest, that sort of thing. <laughs> That's a small portion of the state. <laughs> well, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in God's country, uh, one of the most beautiful places on earth. I have the, you know, actually own the property my great-great-grandfather homesteaded. Wow. wow. And I have panoramic views of the Wallawa Mountains, which we call the Oregon Alps. I have one of the largest glacier lakes in North America, about 10 minutes from my house, where my Guys kids get to play. <laughs> and then in my backyard, I have Hell's Canyon, uh, the deepest gorge in North America. And, yeah, big open grasslands. We have the Blue Mountains. We have thick forests. We have alpine. We're one of the most diverse uh, ecological habitat types there is in the whole U.S., just in one county. Wow, that, that's pretty incredible. Is there, are there any properties for sale there? <laughs> yeah, I got <laughs> I would think you get your hands on something there, you're not going to turn loose of it for a while. <laughs> That's why I cover such a big territory. <laughs> yep, yep, there you go. <laughs> I guess so, because, you know, I know just here in Missouri, Ozarks, a very important factor, people looking to come to the Ozarks, they're looking for that scenery. You know, they want to be out in the hills. They want to have the vistas. They want to have a look down the river or the creek. And uh, it's a big, big item for people and i'm sure that's multiplied in your area for sure oh man if you know ranches are like wives they're a lot of trouble so you better enjoy looking at them <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh, my wife didn't hear this one. I'll be in big trouble. <laughs> I said, you got to understand he's from the West Coast. <laughs> yep. True, though. I have to agree with you. But <laughs> but where do your buyers come from to come into that if they're coming from the outside? Oh, all over the place. I mean, I have buyers, a lot of East Coast guys that come over. Uh, occasionally Californians doing a lot of land trading um, immigrants we call them the Californian immigrants <laughs> I mean just anywhere and everywhere we have foreign you know buyers sure. uh, I do a lot of investment farmland type deals I do mostly like large farms larger right. ranches and yeah farmlands ranches and timberland so i deal with a lot of investors and they're gonna be maybe you and me like uh, pension funds retirement funds right. a lot of institutional how, how does uh how does like a ranch um like it, let's say it's like a working ranch compared to uh maybe more of a place like what you own how does that how is that different in kind of uh your market pricing range Oh, I guess it depends. It's, we're definitely, you know, like one young couple moved from our area to Missouri, I believe, just because they, uh, it was a lot cheaper, more economical to yep. farm ranch over there. That's for sure. It's a hard place to make a living where we're at. I see. But, what kind of farming are you talking about? Well, I cover big range. I mean, in where I live, we do have a lot of forage crops, a lot of export timothy, um, you know, a lot of horse hay and dairy hay. So we're a little high. We're about 4,000 feet elevation, so we can't really grow our corn and our row crops too well up in there. But then you go to the Columbia Basin, which I do quite a bit of business in. That's some of the most desired farmland in the world. We have, you know, a sandy loam soil. They do... I don't even know how many crops, and they hit multiple crops within their growing season with water out of the Columbia River. They do everything from watermelon, the potatoes, oh, corn. Truck crops. Yeah, row crop, truck crop, yep. Yeah. yeah, and then you find a lot of permanent plantings. I do a lot of blueberry-type deals, working on a big vineyard deal right now. And it's we have so much diversity in elevation and soils and water that you you get it all in Oregon, Washington, especially Idaho, parts of Idaho, you get real low in elevation, huge crop diversity. Boy, well, of course, not think of Columbia River. I automatically think of fishing. What what's the outdoor recreation situation like there? It's world class. Where I live, we have I think like five six rivers all within an hour. Wow. Yeah, we have mostly steelhead. We're getting more and more salmon. Actually, my area will allow a lake. We're rebuilding our dam, and the plan is to rebuild it more fish-friendly. So we'll uh, have a huge surge, I believe, in you know, native salmon species coming back. And, of course, steelhead will do even better. That'll open up, make our excellent fishing even better. Well, with all, all the scenery you got to go in a good fishing, any big game hunting out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an elk addict. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. And, now, is that Roosevelt elk out there? No. What do you got? We have a Rocky Mountain. Rocky Mountain. Okay. There is there is parts of Oregon that have the Roosevelt, though, right? I, yeah, in western so. Oregon. Yeah, further west. I've been on, like, Garrett Zoller's ranch. And uh, he's got Roosevelt elk, so it's uh, it is very diverse. It's a beautiful state. Yeah, and Hunter and I can amazing. vouch for the beauty of that state for sure. It's we very awesome. Done some bear hunting out there, saw some elk, and 
that was it was hard to leave. <laughs> yes, I had to come back to work. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Anymore, you know, we got it set up. We had Star, uh, Starlink satellite. We had the cell service through that, and so we could work from the cabin. But during the day, we'd go out and hunt and maybe sell something during lunchtime or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I learned when I took Hunter to Mexico, him and his dad, a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. Those guys were selling properties, I think, on the plains, you know, and right in camp. Oh, yeah. Somebody yeah, got we, a yeah, call, we kind of interrupted the turkey hunting, you know, in the jungles. I said, man. Don't you guys ever get away? Hey, you got to pay for it somehow, I guess. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah true. you certainly do. Well, what about uh, it, that tri-state area that you work on or whatever, or four states, whatever it is? Uh, what about uh, public uh, access for hunters? I mean, can hunters get elk tags and deer tags and bear tags and all that stuff out of staters? Yeah, we're about 50% public land in our area. So there's a lot of opportunities for access. The tag situation varies. They're very, they seem to be more and more protective of predators anymore. Like it's in the fall, you can get two bear tags, no questions asked over the counter, but spring it's four, five, six years to draw a spring bear tag for some reason. We, we've been, we were pretty lucky with that. We we got got a hold of uh, me, my dad and Lucas all drew a tag and we did that. I think two years in a row. Um, Oh, nice. So I guess we must've been really lucky. Yeah, and over there is different than yeah, my area. Yeah, it's a different area yeah. than where you're at. Um, I think where Garrett's at, there's a outside of Medford, there's a, a lot of bear. So oh sure, wow. Yeah, that you know, I'm a lucky dude. I've got a personal friend that uh, I think on his 17th year he finally drew a moose tag out west somewhere. I'd, I'd be hard pressed to say which state, but 17 years. He mm-hmm. that's dedication. Dedicated. That's dedication. Every year. <laughs> He's nuts. That's a, <laughs> but he got well, of course. You know how much you can brag if you waited 17 years and yep. you kill a nice big moose, you yep. know, it got bigger and bigger every time I hear the story. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I guess that's the case anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, we uh, get landowner tags in Oregon. I have one ranch for sale right now. It's 9,100 acres. Wow. And it's in a unit. They actually have their own resident elk herds. It's one of the neatest places I've ever seen. You can get up to 15 milk tags every year on this. Oh, my wow. goodness. Otherwise, you're looking at five years to draw archery, probably 10 years to draw a rifle bull tag. And that's going to be even longer if you're out of state. Yeah. But a lot of guys play the game. Now, I know there's even agencies out there anymore that will handle that for you. Sure. You know, as long as you give them the greenbacks, they'll take care <laughs> of all the applications for you and probably pray for you, too, hoping you, you're going to get drawn in. But I, th- I think I'm going to start rubbing elbows with Hunter a little bit more. <laughs> he seems to be pretty lucky, you know. I'm even having stuff, having trouble with, with the draws here in the state of Missouri. Uh, the last four years, I haven't drawn into any kind of turkey yeah. hunt. Uh, I didn't even get drawn for any duck hunts this year. I applied really? like six different times and didn't even get drawn for them. I I don't know. It's kind of like it may be happening like happened on a school board election one time. I I was on the school board and ran again. And on the news next morning, I just knew I was a shoe in. I got zero votes. I said, no better than that. I voted for myself. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but there oh, was funny. A, hey, yeah, there was a little guy in the courthouse that uh, was dyslexic. And we were each assigned the numbers, and she reversed two of my numbers, so it kicked all my votes out. Uh, the poor school superintendent calls it. Oh, Bill, I don't know what we're going to do. It'll cost us twenty grand to hold another election. I said, I oh, forget it. I didn't want to do a second term that bad anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but 
hey, if people want to get a hold of you out, out west, man. Yeah. Uh, How do you do that? Of course, they can always go to the Land Leader website. Uh, all the agents are there. You can give me a call, 541-398-8007, or shoot me an email, uh, Caleb with a C at landandwildlife.com, all spelled out. I'd love to hear from you. I bet. I'm sure you've got a wonderful website that they can look at and get a good gander at all of that scenery that you're promoting from out west. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Give me the fever. Well, Hunter, hey, you want to wrap this segment up for us, man? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so <clears throat> we're here pretty much every year at the Land Leader booth. Um, this year it's booth 2863, but we're here pretty much every year. I think they're going to start alternating this uh, convention. Um from here to uh, New Orleans, I think, yep. after this year, and then it will come back to Nashville. But we do the Nashville um, show every year, and we are right under, we're a corporate sponsor of SCI, so we're right under uh, the bar. And uh, <laughs> it's the, it's a big banner that says the watering hole, and um, our, our logo is up there. It says Land Leader, so swing by and come check us out. Come talk to us if you have any questions about buying or selling real estate. Um, it's an amazing show. There's people here from all over the world, um, Russia, <laughs> Australia, um, just everywhere. So Africa, it, it is amazing. So come check it out. Come check us out. And um, if you need to get a hold of me to look at selling or buying in the state of Missouri, uh, my number is 636-373-1509. And uh, my email is hunterh09 at yahoo.com. And, and Lucas, if they want to maybe buy something in Missouri, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, my phone number is uh, 417-370-1560. And my email is lucaslivingthedream at gmail.com. And don't call me because I don't sell real estate. All I do is fish. <laughs> there you go. Hey, uh, hey, Hunter, if uh, people need luck drawing tags, can they come find you and rub your belly? Yeah, yes, they can. <laughs> I would like that very much. Yeah, we'll, we'll set you up. Hey, for sure, all of us here at Land Leader, we're living our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to get outdoors and live your dreams as well. I'm Bill Cooper. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Boat Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Taney Como Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Boat Fishing at 573 573- 263-8016. Again, that's 573-263-8016. Be sure and shoot straight. Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. 
we appreciate you and uh, good luck. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker, On the Hook TV, Expedition Trailers, The Rambling Angler, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.